Welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast, a podcast where we focus on real issues and have real talk, and as always, provide a biblical perspective. We hope that you will be blessed as you listen. Hello and welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast. This is the Amazing Truth Minute. This is the Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook at the Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Real issues, real talk. For the Amazing Truth Minute, today we'll focus on First John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You see, folks, in a culture where, uh, in a culture that places a high premium on, on social status, wealth, appearances, pedigree, and titles, it's tempting to fear that we will fail to measure up. But God has given us the title, Children of God from 1 John 3 verse 1. And since we are children of God, our culture doesn't get to define our status. Jesus does. Our worth was settled at Calvary when the sinless Son of God chose to die on our behalf so we could be reconciled to the Father. As recipients of such an act of grace, we have every reason to be the most joyful and thankful people on the planet. Our status as children of God means we have nothing to prove there is no need for us to strive to climb to a social ladder and or attempt to show others we measure up. Christians are called to bear fruit with the goal of bringing glory to God rather than ourselves. That's John 15 verse 5. As people who have nothing to prove, we are free to live productive lives for the glory of God and in service to other people. And that is the Amazing Truth Minute. This is the Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook at The Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Real issues, real talk. All right, all right. We are back like we never left. <laughs> you know, Kenan, the money talk. Money talk, money talk. Has got me thinking. Oh, and you know, okay. last time how we finished? Yeah. Troy shared his most embarrassing moment. He's in a restaurant. Anniversary, like that's your anniversary, right? Mm-hmm. You're seated there with your wife. Pregnant wife. Pregnant wife. And you cannot afford to pay for a meal. Hey, what has been your most embarrassing moment? Financially? Mm-hmm. Man. Um, wow, Israel. What tell us yours? I think of <laughs> I'm mine because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pick one from the shelf. <laughs> I'll get uh, back to that. I think oh. I'll get back to that. You ambushed me on that. I will be. I, 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 I thought you you make these mistakes frequently. You love several. I do, but I still have to pick one that that fits. I, th- I think for me, it's not it's not an embarrassment. It's um, a statement. Um, when I got married. My wife, um, we went for honeymoon. Mm-hmm. It's not an embarrassment, but I remember we were in our, uh, on our honeymoon. It was on a Wednesday, I remember vividly. And, you know, growing up, I never heard about, I mean, I went to school budget and all yeah. that. Then she looked at me and she said, we need to sit down and do a budget. Mm-hmm. 
I felt personally attacked because I had never done a budget to begin with. How do I start confessing that I don't know how to do one to these lady that I just got married to? Yeah. Who looks up to me because of everything else? I'm supposed to be the husband of the home and then the other thing is I thought I looked I thought of the account. <laughs> what is there for me to budget for? And I think for me that was a moment where it lingered in my life for a year. Mm. I think it's not until a year later that I actually had to sit down and face her and have this real conversation on finance. So that was it wasn't embarrassing, but I felt undressed, I felt mm-hmm. attacked, I felt vulnerable, I felt like I needed to hide things. And if you ask me, I don't know why. Right. So, okay. now for me, I think it was not not embarrassing, but kind of a wake up call. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just after the night at, of our <laughs> wedding reception. <laughs> so, just plan a nice wedding, beautiful, right? And it, it clicked. I, I just paid bills. I was living. I was still living in an apartment. So I just paid bills, but there was one that was lingering—a light bill. <laughs> And I did not, I had no money. Well, now we had no money. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not know where I was going to pay the light bill from. Uh-huh. And I think it had stacked up for a couple well, months. Much. You know, you know, in the yeah, winter, they yeah. don't, they, 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 they don't they disconnect. Yeah, so it would stack, they had stacked up for, for a little bit. But God came through. But the wake up call was, you know, now I have to plan. I have, have to plan bills. Wife. But I, I, I turn it as a testimony to right before the end of the, 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 the wedding, the reception. That the, I think we were just sitting, we we're cleaning. Remember uh, this lady that passed on from your church, Nemoyas? Yeah, jo- uh, jo- Josephine. Josephine mm-hmm. and the husband. They came and handed me a check. It wasn't Josephine. I know it, Jerusha. Jerusha, Jerusha. They came and handed me a check. This uh, almost this exact amount of what I owed <laughs> for the light bill. <laughs> Raise yeah, I know. So it's a testimony. So, <laughs> so that, shout right. out to the Nyamwai as well. Yeah, they came the through day. for me that night. <laughs> so again, that was a wake up call. Like, okay, now I we have to plan. I have to plan because I now I have another mouth that we have. To, so it was a wake up call. <laughs> I, I think the reason I start this podcast that way is because I think everybody goes through that wake up call. Yeah, everybody everybody goes through that that experience and and it's either you get stuck there or you start working towards your way out of that that very specific experience i'm just thinking of kenan mm-hmm. you're supposed to be enjoying your reception right but you're thinking of a light bill hey, man, you bring a wife home there's no <laughs> lights she can't warm her food my friend <laughs> and i use that I, I use that to say that when we're in this situation, it steals yeah. our happiness. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's just w- moments where we are supposed to be there. We are no longer there. We're not there because yeah. there's something we're thinking of. Right. And that whole experience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So let's go to the expert. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, you're talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> expert of stacking. You gotta warn me. You gotta warn me, man. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but, but, but so Troy, Troy shared with us, man, if you didn't listen to the previous podcast, I don't think you have business in this one. You gotta pause, go and see the other one and listen to it because we're building on it. So Troy takes his wife out and uh, it's anniversary and, uh, 
you know um he has 20 dollars to his name he has a visa card that needs to be activated but they can only activate on monday or Ezra. monday through friday before you go there can i can I, let's pull up let's 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 put let's a plug pull up, right okay. a plug because if you, there's people that will listen at the end yeah. you know yeah so let's put a plug it, uh troy is a financial literacy literacy coach, uh, coach and he has a a class called the blueprint right that's that yes. the the blueprint yes. you can find it at tryslevy.com correct t r t r o i s l e v y.com mm-hmm. you can cl- click on the masterclass and you you get it so that's the plug for the the beginning we'll do another one at the end yeah. so we don't forget but so, go ahead uh, thank you thank you for plugging in that mm-hmm. i think what we're here to do gentlemen and ladies is we got to get out of this yeah cycle that we're stuck in it's it's it steals joy it robs us our full vitality of who we ought to be and showing up how we authentically how we ought to show up because of the things that are weighing on us mm-hmm. so this segment is going to be serious business on how we can get out of that and uh, trust me we will not cover everything yet that is why you have to enroll you have to enroll in this segment is it going to cost you something oh yes it's going to cost you something because he has materials like he has budget content he has um all those things you have you have like a workbook, workbook. Di- a digital workbook uh access to all seven sessions seven lessons uh plus a bonus eighth lesson on negotiating uh, how to negotiate your salary negotiate major purchases and whatnot um it'll just give those basic tools of negotiate so uh yeah you get all of that um for 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 the for the class you need to negotiate is, is there is there black friday <laughs> 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 all right so yeah. we dive right into it so try so this is the embarrassing moment and you're like i got to turn it up so how do you start turning around what do you start doing uh, do you sit with your wife walk us through that journey yeah so uh we went home that day and you know of course with with our tail between our legs like 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 little <laughs> yeah, dogs yeah. Uh, going home <laughs> kind of licking our wounds um but I mean, what are you going to do? Cry about it at that point? It's already happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, or are you going to do something about it? And mm-hmm. we determine, yo, we're going to do something about it. We're not going to sit here and um, lick our wounds, feel bad for ourselves, and we're not going to let it happen again. So that's when we started getting serious about being on a plan. Um, and so, you know, the, the blueprint pr- plan, um, this, is, this is what we did. Um, you know, the course that, that, uh, that uh, Kenny did put the plug in for. It's going to give us the, the, the steps, and there are 10 benchmarks along the way in that course um, that we did in order, um, in order for us to, uh, to do well for ourselves financially. So one of the first things that, that we did, and we had already been um, givers or sharers that, that whole time. That's one thing that both of our parents instilled in both of us that we um, give towards, you know, help boy up, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, the, the causes that, uh, that we value. So that, that's one thing that we always consistently did and we never stopped doing. And we continue to do that. So we very well could have said, <laughs> hey, we want to get out of debt or we want to do this with our money. Why don't we stop giving the 10% plus the extra that, that we had? We, we've always give, given, not always. At that point, we had been giving 20% of our income away, uh, sharing that uh, with our faith community. And we didn't stop because we believe that, you know, just based on our religious conviction, that those were something, uh, things that we would, we would continue to do. Um, And then from there, we uh, made a decision, yo, we're going to stop borrowing. 
right? Because it's gotten us in trouble so many times from my credit card that I had that I already shared the story with um, uh, about uh, last uh, episode mm-hmm. to the timeshare that I also talked about. You know, these borrowing had never done well for us. You know, it had given us things. We had borrowed to, to purchase a car. But, um, you know, the the uh, high interest rate that we had in order to pay that off, it wasn't a good thing. Um, and so from then on, we started paying cash for everything not called a home, mm. right? And, which means that we didn't get, you know, we weren't able to get newer cars. We couldn't afford that cash, but we were able to, to buy cars that still ran well. Yeah, right, they, right. They, they were, uh, right now, I drive a 2009 car. We have a 2009 and a two, 2013. Mm. So at this point, let's just say, both of our cars are like 10 years old yeah, or, or yeah. more mm-hmm. and they still run fine. There, you know, nothing wrong with it. Is it the fanciest newest car in the world? No, it's not, mm-hmm. but it gets us from point A to point E point B. So that, that was one of the things that we kind of switched in our minds that, um, Hey, we're not going to borrow from, from here on out. So even now, uh, my wife is in school. Uh, she's a nurse, uh, becoming a, a nurse practitioner. Uh, we very could have very well could have easily said, yo, let let Sally Mae handle it, uh, and we'll just deal with Sally Mae later. But yo, we've been down that road before. Yeah. Literally, we had most of our hundred thousand dollars of debt was mostly Sally Mae, mm-hmm. and it was killing us. And we didn't want that anymore. So right now, and she graduates in about seven months or so, um, uh, in next year August, we we've been uh, bootstrapping or, or cash flowing her education. Now, um, has that been tough at times? Sure. But I'd much rather not owe anyone, you know, after after we pay the school, that yeah. is, not have interest and fees and whatnot. Um, and, you know, just kind of take the L now instead of taking the L with Sally Mae later. later yeah. Right. So we've been kind of, you know, living below our means. That's mm-hmm. the decision that we're talking about. We've lived below our means for years now. Um, so much so, you know, we, we uh, bought our second house in 2018, 2019 or so. And, uh, you know, I did borrow money to, for, for, to, for the mortgage, which is, you know, we understand, I understand most people aren't able to buy a house cash, right? So it, that kind of debt, it, it's fine within certain, um, within but certain strictures, parameters, right? But. I knew exactly how much money I was going to, you know, I needed for it. And it wasn't a whole lot. uh, And um, because we had sold our home um, before and and bought this one. So we were using some of the proceeds from that previous sale to buy this home. Um, So, you know, I I was curious. I said, all right, well, how much would you actually let me borrow? I'm asking the mortgage officer this, even though I knew exactly how much I was going to borrow. And uh, they told me that they would let me borrow three times more than what I was about to borrow uh, right then and there. And that's tempting. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it right. is. And I'm like, man, I could buy literally a house with a pool and, and you know, with with so many other things. And I was very tempted to do it. But I'm, I'm like, all right, if I do that, then I'm not going to be able to have the room we're not going to have the room in our in our lives, the freedom to do the things that we want to do. Now, mind you, we bought the house before my wife started school, but we had the the long-term plan. We knew that she wanted to go back to school um, e- eventually and pretty soon. I think we, she went back like a year or so after uh, we bought that house. And we knew that, all right, if we spend more per month on a home, we're not going to be able to bootstrap her uh, her education. Right. Then we're going to have to borrow or, you know, pull from other places where, you know, it just didn't fit our values. So what helped us to really 
fit into our values was living below our means. That was one of the most important decisions that we could have ever made. So how long did it take you to pay off the $100,000 debt that you had? Yeah, yeah. So um, by that time, it wasn't, it wasn't a hundred thousand anymore. That was total what we had borrowed from the time we started college until that, that mm-hmm. point. And of course, you know, as time goes on, you're, you're paying some so, things, yeah. you know, so, but at that point in 2015, when we had that super embarrassing moment, we had, I think it was probably about 67, almost $70,000 that we still had to pay off. So that took us 22 months um, to, to pay all years. of, yeah, roughly two years. So we started that, that happened in August. We started, let's say September, October ish, mm-hmm. um, to like be serious. And we started being super serious about it. And we ended in December of 2017. I remember paying off that last, uh, student loan and we rejoiced and we went out to eat. <laughs> and this time we were able to pay our full bill because yeah. we were no longer <laughs> living paycheck to paycheck. And that was just, uh, you know, a huge turning point in our lives, man, where we finally experienced financial freedom in a way. Like, we didn't know life without debt in, in terms of our, our married life. Really, our, our whole adult life was based on debt, you know, starting with student loans. And then when we got married, it was just all debt, 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 debt. And we were just, like, always living behind the eight ball, right? Um, and so finally experiencing that freedom was like nothing else, man. Um, and we – now, mind you, it wasn't – I'm talk. I'm describing the rosy part, Kenny, and I, I know, I'm going to let you say something in just no, no, a second. Yeah, yeah. It's it was rosy in December of 2017. <laughs> we experienced a freedom, but the road to get there was it was a tough road, and that that right there is what most people don't want to go through mm-hmm. uh, in order to get to financial freedom. But there's always a price to be paid, always. Mm-hmm. So you either continue living life the way that most of us live, which is a life of debt and uh, whatever the opposite of financial freedom is, and you pay, you keep paying that for the rest of your life, or you can go hard for a couple of years or however long it might take you to get out of debt. Um, that's going to be painful, but we figured that the pain of t- two years would far outweigh the pain of the rest of our lives, mm-hmm. Right. So we lived way below our means for about two years or so, meaning we weren't really going out to eat like that. Um, my wife would take her lunch to work uh, most days. Um, we had simple meals. Uh, I didn't buy clothes. Literally, that whole two years, I didn't buy clothes, except for I had to do a wedding, mm-hmm. uh, participate in a wedding out of town, and I forgot my tie. Mm-hmm. I went, bought a tie. As soon as the wedding was over, I went back to the store, and I returned <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things, we were, like, that's what we were doing. My wife did her own hair instead of going to the hairdresser. She Jeez. did her own nails instead yeah. of going to the nail shop. Like, we took L's all over the place for two years in order to have a great <laughs> life. Yeah. Oh, our ladies over there. <laughs> <laughs> but mind you, I had to cast a vision, man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. had to Kinda, cast a vision yeah, yeah. and let her know, hey, there's something beautiful on the other side of this. Babe, can you just journey with me for two years? Give me two years, and I'm going to give you a whole lifetime. And my question was, I mean, how do you attain that mindset and maintain it? Yeah, I, I think it was easy for us because we had that embarrassing moment and we never wanted that moment again. And along the way, even though we didn't have embarrassing moments like we did at that restaurant that day, it was just tough times. It's like, all right, 
we want to go places. We want to, we want to have certain experiences, but we're just not able to do it because we're living paycheck to paycheck. Now we could fake as if we have it, but we really don't. But after a while, like who, you know, who wants to keep faking for their whole lives? We don't, we didn't want that. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a lot of vision casting, not just initially, but along the way in order to keep uh, on the road to what we figured was success. And, and a, a whole lot of discipline. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot of prayer. Um, yeah. It took all of that. I mean, I mean, and I, it's m- making it practical, Ezra. It's easy. It's easy to go to a store and spend. I mean, there's that feeling of contentment. I just worked two weeks. I got this paycheck, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I want to, is that, yeah, it's it's hard to maintain to attain that cast the vision and, and you know go go towards it's it's hard, but it's doable. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but it's doable and prayer and just discipline and all that. This is a this is a it's a testimony. I'm I'm trying to t- <laughs> can I can I speak you passionately? I almost asked, have you cleared yours? <laughs> oh man, yeah. But I'm telling you though, it's it's it's, it's just easy to when you're when you're out there when you're working. And you just go into a, a store and try get get food. So so that's that's twenty dollars you didn't plan to spend, yeah. but you spent it. Yeah. You know, so, so here's a question. It's, it's only twenty dollars. You know, but right. you do that several times a week, and guess what? Before you know it, you spend about a thousand dollars in restaurant, and, you know, for that month. Um, let, so it's easy yeah. to do that. Let's 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 make this even more practical. Troy, why is it a lot of people have gone to school? We've learned budgeting. We have learned all these. You've listened to workshops, seminars, webinars, sermons, all these. But people still struggle. Where, where, where does the disconnect Where's the line? Yeah, where is it? <laughs> where is it? Yeah. You know, I, I tell people all the time that, and these are, I, I use these percentages, is just numbers, um, but personal finance is, is, is only about 25%, you know, math. Mm. Um, it's the vast majority, let's say the other 75% is, is emotion. So we don't make financial decisions based on, a spreadsheet. Um, we don't make financial decisions based on what we learned in school. Uh, you know, that gives us a framework. Yes, but that's not how we actually make decisions. We make decisions at the dinner table. Uh, we don't make decisions based on what we know and the, and the math, you know, what, what makes the most sense. Otherwise we would look at, at debt in the whole industry and be like, yo, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. This is, li- this is dumb. Mm-hmm. Cause if we actually did the math on what most of us do with money, the math doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we don't make financial decisions based on math. We, we make it based on, on emotion. Uh, and so, you know, when I look at my kids sleeping at night, I'm making, little do I know, I'm making financial decisions because I want to set them up for a good future. When we look at our spouse at night or uh, as we speak during the day and, and, and say and uh, talk about our dreams or whatever, we're literally right then and there making financial decisions and we don't even know it. Right. Um, and most of us may not know this, but guess who does know it? Who do know it? Um, marketing companies know that we make financial decisions based on emotions. That's why when they craft commercials or when they um, have product placement in stores, okay, um, when they 
in the mall. I just came from Mall of America. Thank you, Ezra. My first time. My Ezra, first time why are you trying to make the man spend, man? <laughs> 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 but when, ahead. when yeah. we when we walk past the department store, whether it's Macy's, Nordstrom, or whatever, the smells that we smell in the air. What what do we smell? Perfume and, and cologne. Yeah. Well, that's for a reason. When we open up our phones and see ads, all of this is penetrating our senses even when we go to costco or sam's club the taste testing right so every notice everything that i'm, I'm saying it, it these are our, our senses. senses taste yeah. smell uh, sight yeah. what we hear the jingles everything okay it's all marketing because marketing companies know that the best way to hit our emotions is to hit our senses because we make um, financial decisions not based on math but based on what we taste, smell, hear, and all of those things affect our emotions. Okay. So that they know that they know that is just that we as consumers don't realize that about ourselves, but they know all of this. It's nothing new. Wow. Can address. What's it? What did the sense of taste get you get? I, when I go to, when I go to, you know, when you go to Costco mm-hmm. and they have, they those, have the taste yeah, yeah. you taste like a nice piece of, you don't eat, you don't eat corpses, but, <laughs> <laughs> you don't eat meat. <laughs> but yeah, but my, you, but you, you test that and it's, the, it's, it's presented nice yeah. for my eyes. I mean, it tastes, tastes good. And then one more thing, it's not too far away from where this, it's like, I just say it's right behind me. Mm-hmm. It only makes sense. Right. And I, so I end up going, I had a list. I usually go with a list, but I have like three extra things that list just because of, of that, yeah. that the marketing so emotions is a big so can we say that generational could, could we say will it be fair to say that equally generational i don't want to call it it's not trauma decision making inheritance can we inherit habits from you know our parents mm-hmm. our environment to shape how we make financial decisions because we have established it's not a spreadsheet yeah. It's all this. Does that, does that play a role? I strongly believe so, whether that's through DNA and or through environment. Mm-hmm. Um, how we're raised and the family that we come from has everything to do with just about everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, th- whether those are financial habits or uh, even the emotions surrounding money, sometimes we can receive those. Yeah. Uh, and of course, these things aren't a perfect science. We don't know exactly yeah, what yeah. DNA strands are coming from where we, we just don't necessarily yeah. know that. But yeah, absolutely. That That is highly probable, mm-hmm. not just possible. And yeah. I think as a two, um, if I go to a store and I have my kids with me, and I, for example, I, I, I verbalize, oh, that is a nice pair of shoe. I'm going to get it. <coughs> First time it's a one-off, right? The next time they she they saw me buy that shoe, you know, last week, and then I go to another store. I say, "Oh, that's a nice shoe. I'm gonna buy it." The next time we go to a store, that's the mindset they have. Mm-hmm. Oh, when Daddy goes to the store, oh, he has to buy a shoe. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you do that every time. That's they'll they learn that. Oh yeah, we spend. Absolutely. Although they they see a hundred pairs of shoes in the house. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a culture we cultivate for ourselves and our kids or the people that we love. Absolutely. What are some practical examples? I'm I'm thinking. Let me give mine and then. You know, I grew up in a home where I, I used to hear my father say, "I don't have money," which, in real sense, that was not true. Is that I have money, but it's to for paying your school fees. Mm-hmm. So. I grew up in the mindset of a period of time where 
I, even when I have money myself, I find myself saying, I don't have money. I, I don't know about you. For me, especially after working through some things in my struggles financially, if I had some extra money in the bank, I didn't know what to do with it. Because mm-hmm. I've grown always being told, mm-hmm. I don't, there's no money. So I, that's something I realized. Cog- I, cogni- I, co- I was cognizant of that. No, I don't need to say I don't have money. What I need to say is that I do have some money, but I'm planning to spend it for X, Y, Z. When I get extra, I can do that. What is, is there anything for you in your lives that you can think of that you inherited in your environment, your culture, your DNA, that you're like, okay, that's something I had to break in my life or we need to break? You want to go first, Kenneth? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's something that I... I inherited based on, based on the fact that I, I came to this country. And you know, when you come to this country, there's a lot of freedoms that you inherit. You know, you have a, you can move freely. You have a car, and there's that financial freedom that you get. Although, and if your first job, you 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 convert the dollar, and you're like, okay, in Kenya it's like it's this. It, so you yeah. think you have. So for me, something that I'm trying to um, destroy is if I have money extra after paying everything else, if I have it in the bank. It's not supposed to be spent, you know. I don't have to. I don't have to clear my account because <laughs> there's that extra. I think that's something that I have to, you know, practically say. Okay, I'm putting this in a savings account, and I don't because when I see it, I want to spend it. Yeah. I think that's one thing I, I I want to kind of break the habit of. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think for uh, us, um, you know, on the positive side of things, there's just some values that um, my wife and I we share that we both got from from our parents so you know uh i think private school is one of those uh you know we 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 both of us went to private school matter of fact, we, we met in high school at, at a private school um uh, because that, that was a value for both sets of our of our parents and uh we now pass on that that value to all three of our children um so yeah i and i i i love the fact that you know, Ezra, you're you're saying that your your dad, he had his priorities straight, and, and it sounds like maybe he didn't necessarily know how to verbalize yes, yes, the yes. priorities, but he had it he had it straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for us, let's build on that. You know, maybe our, our parents. I don't think any of our parents had it 100 mm-hmm. percent right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But let's take the positive things that yeah, that yeah. they did have, and let's start verbalizing that. Okay. He he had his priorities straight, uh, but he, all he said was, "Hey, I don't have money." He we all know he had money, yeah, yeah. but the money just wasn't for but everything for that you that wanted, wanted to, to yeah. spend it on. Well, let's let's start having those conversations with those who are coming after us and and, and say, "Hey, um, here are here's how you make good priorities." Right? Here's the money that that I make. And by the way, I don't think even myself, I don't think I do a great job. Um, sharing with, not that they, my kids need to know everything, um, but sharing salary and stuff. And in our communities, many times we don't, we don't (laughs) share how much we make and stuff, but guess what, man? Um, Other communities that may not look like us, you better believe that they're having these conversations and they're using uh, not just within family, but they're they're, they're within, uh, you know, workspaces and whatnot. And they use those conversations surrounding money um, as leverage for negotiating uh, better pay and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, so-and-so is getting paid such and mm-hmm. such. You know, you're going to give me whatever. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have those, uh, <laughs> a lot of those conversations because it's always this big secret surrounding money in, you know, many, um, many black and uh, I'm not sure about 
anyone else. I'm, I'm black and I don't know any other cultures. But in, in my culture, we, we just kind of put our head in the sand and, you know, what I make is what I make. And we don't have those conversations. I think we should uh, have those conversations and then teach those coming after us, hey, here's why we're not making certain financial decisions, not because I don't have the money, but because it's just not as much of a priority as this is, right? And so we're going to support this over that. And if we make some extra money, uh, then yeah, maybe we can make that a, a secondary priority, not just a primary priority. So as, as I'm listening to you speak, there's something that you say that just, you know, hit me. What, where, where did this secrecy surrounding money come from? Because mm-hmm. money, it's a secret, like couples, parents to children. Man, I'll share everything with my wife. I don't want to share without my finance. Mm. Like my body, mm. my everything. Yeah. Sleep in the same bed, mm. but I can't share. You know, you're a parent, you raise your kids. You tell them everything I have is yours, but they don't know what's everything. Mm. <laughs> like that's not shared. Yeah, I'm working that. hard for you. Like, like where did this secrecy historically, where do you think it came from? That's a good question. And I, I don't have any hard evidence or any objective um, research to quote from. So I'm I'm not going to, you know, go all the way. I, I will say, I will say that in my research, some of the negative um, aspects of uh, financial stewardship in the black community um, definitely does stem from slavery. I'm not quite sure if this is one of those things. So I just want to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are some other things. So for instance, for instance, um, the urge to, you know, when, when you get money to just spend it right then and there, um, you know, what, what happened um, in, in it, during those, those slavery times, <clears throat> you know, you didn't have the luxury of, um, in most cases, saving a lot and, um, you know, having a long-term plan. You don't even know. You don't know what's That's happening it. to you tomorrow. So, and, and plus, you know, you're, you're going through trauma, you're suffering a lot. So in order to um, maybe put a Band-Aid on the trauma and because there's never any kind of long, you're not thinking long-term necessarily. Most people aren't if you're enslaved. So the best thing that I can do is just to, you know, make myself feel good in the moment. In the moment. Let me have just a little bit of pleasure right here because I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow or a year from now, five years from now. And we see many times in uh, the black community that some of those same practices are, are, you know, we sometimes, and I'm just speaking very generally here, um, people will buy a pair of Jordans instead of paying their rent. Or, you know, how do you how do you have your rent unpaid or your light bill unpaid? And, but you, you know, you're dressed very, very nicely, you know, and, and many times those same, same trauma um, based spending or financial decisions are, are still going strong in the community because, Hey, look, I'll never be able to have anything long-term. So the best thing that I can do is just at least have a little bit of pleasure in the moment, whether that's yeah. looking good in the moment or whatever it might yeah. be. So, um, yeah, that's just one one example. Yeah. And I think that, that concept, just to add on that, that the concept of uh, you only live once. Yeah. You know, you've YOLO. taken it literally. Yeah? YOLO. YOLO, yeah, YOLO. So um, I want to spend. And I think that's kind of what I alluded to myself. <laughs> <laughs> when I have money, I, I, I want to spend it. So I think, yeah, just that 
it takes a lot of just breaking the habits and again passing it down to the people that we love yep as we do this sometimes it can be hard to break those habits by yourself that's why we have Troy here because this is what he does this is what he does for a living you know you just hit him up and uh, set you up uh, with the um, class and walk with you walk with you through this journey so that you're not feeling like you're walking by yourself as a couple you know yeah. a, a parents who have kids who are starting to work now we're going to lay those foundations now before they actually start spending That's right. like like this is the time for us to actually start doing that as as we start wrapping up here shortly uh how do we build generational wealth now let, let me let me give context to this we've seen a world where there's a lot of um a lot of uh, unrest due to, so, to, to social uh, justice, injustices, right? We see that in North America. But if you go into the third world countries, you hear them talking, if it's Kenya, ni Unga, you know, they, they're talking about it's all that we can make ends live. I mean, we can make ends meet. And every single time we protest, we go out there, we protest, something small is thrown, people go back, and then we're back to the same cycle. How do we get out of this rut? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Ezra, I'm a big believer that money talks. Okay. So, and I, I believe in protesting. I've I've gone out and protested. Oh, yeah. I protested uh, when too. Eric Garner um got uh, choked out. This is in, in on Staten Island in New York. I processed it there on, on Staten Island with uh, Reverend Al Sharpton and, and, and others and hundreds, thousands of others. So I'm not against protesting. I'm very much for it. But as you said, we can protest and then go back to our homes and nothing changes. But what does create change is when you start messing with people's money. That's when people start really listening. Yep. Right. Yep. So with that being said, I'm a huge proponent of, um, black communities or whoever else who might experience injustice or whatever of um, controlling the money. So, look, man, say what you want about Kanye and Kyrie, and you know we we know these issues. Yeah, I'm not going to speak a lot a lot to it. <laughs> we don't want to be bunt. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, but just understand that you know the communities that were most affected by what was said or retweeted or whatever were Jewish communities. Now, Jewish communities, one thing that we know about them is that, um, in general, they control a lot of the money in their own um, neighborhoods, okay? So if they say, hey, we want Kyrie to apologize, or we want this, or want that, or we're not, we're going to withhold support from certain entities, people jump. Why? Is that because Jewish communities are more valuable than African-American communities or whoever else? No, absolutely not. All, all humans are equal and uh, should give e- be given equal weight. However, um, money talks more than the concept of, of equality. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that that should be. I'm just saying what is. Mm-hmm. So Jewish people uh, run a lot. You know, you go. I'm born in Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lower East Side, Jewish, period, okay? Uh, So when the Brooklyn Nets need support or they need, you know, uh, whatever with Kyrie, when they say, hey, we want this, we want that, we want that, people jump and they react or they act and, um, 
you know, that is what it is. Yep, yep. Um, so we can burn stuff down and, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying that stuff doesn't really work. What works is, is, is us controlling our own economy. And I'm, I believe that that doesn't happen until we start operating based on cash and not credit, not debt, I'm saying. Okay. So think about um, Jewish people in, in Jewish communities, wherever they are. In general, man, they don't operate with credit and with debt, man. Hmm. All right? If they want something, they pay cash for it. So I used to work in Jersey City. A lot of Jews are, are coming over from uh, from Brooklyn um, to Jersey City, you know, because it's less expensive, so on and so forth. Um, you know, people are just being priced out of Brooklyn. That's that's what it is. So they're coming over to Jersey City. I went around the corner. Now, I'm, I, I worked in the hood. I went, went around the corner. Um, the organiza- organization that I worked for had, like, another building around the corner. So I walked over there one time, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of Jewish people around here now um, in the hood. I'm like, man, what's going on? And just some of the anecdotes and stories were that um, – that the Jewish community were buying houses in that neighborhood, not by way of a mortgage. And by the way, I'm not against mortgages, mm-hmm. but they were putting down cash and saying, hey, I'll buy your house. Here's a check. Right. That's how they operate. They're not messing with Sally Mae and doing they buy stuff cash, man. Um, and that's how they control their own economy and, and do their own thing. Um, so I, I think it's high time for all communities, not just Jewish, not just black, but all communities to do that so that they can have power. I, it's interesting you say that because I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about the civil rights movement. Like it's when the financial peace was touched. That's right. When s- now civil rights became a real thing. The, mus- the, the Montgomery bus boycott. Montgomery bus boycott. For boycott. one year, exactly. they boycotted and they hit Montgomery where they hurt. Exactly. And which is which is the money. Sorry, Exa- go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, when you go back historically, when you see, think about uh, India and Mahatma Gandhi, the salt, right. salt. and the clothing industry and that's all right. of that, when those were hit, then it was at that moment they're like, hey, we got to sit down and listen to these people. So to bring this to our just, you know, uh, bring this down, it comes down to the point of even you and I, if we're not calling the shots on our finances, mm-hmm. whoever is calling those shots owns us. That's right. It's period as that. Could be McDonald's. Yeah. It could be Macy's. Yeah. It could be all this. And I'm not saying all these things are bad, yeah. but there need to be intentional, conscious decision that I'm saying. I've looked through my numbers and everything makes sense. I can go this direction now. I, I love what... what uh, King Solomon, I think all of our, our yeah. listeners and viewers would know who King Solomon is. Well, he wrote this book in, in um, uh, the Hebrew Bible called Proverbs. And Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says that the rich rule over the poor mm. and the borrower is slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's just a general observation that you, anywhere you look, any, you know, America, Babylon, Israel, in, in any phase of the world, world history, that's what it is. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Man, we can talk all we want, but still, we need money in our pockets. <laughs> right? But I think the most important thing that I'm hearing and I've had, <clears throat> Kenan, you haven't spoken for a while. Yeah, I know, yeah, this, yeah. I know this can... No, I'm, I'm, this, I'm listening, this, this man. Evoke, I have to... This can evoke trauma. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm listening, I think. Uh, for, for, yeah. I think we'll listen, let's do some takeaways and then we... Yeah. yeah. So some key takeaways from you, Kenan, yeah. Kami, and then some principles. You yes. finish us with some principles for someone who's getting started mm-hmm. as we wrap up. So for me, I think the... Uh, I have 
takeaway for me is I have to create a mindset that, uh, you know, keep most of the money that I work so hard for. You know, I need to cultivate that and put that mindset and then establish a discipline uh, in my life. The way I spend, the way I save, the way I work hard for that money as well. And also casting a vision, you know, with the people that I love. And, you know, because then if we do it collectively, we move, we move further. Right. Yeah, so I have to cast that vision. So, yeah, and it's good to have those tough conversations about money. I think for me, my takeaway is being intentional to notice my emotions and money yeah. so that I can be able to regulate. Am I buying out of, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not fitting in, so I want to fit in. So that emotion of just wanting to fit in is what's driving me. Am I fearing to discuss money because I'm guilty and yeah. I spent some money somewhere, so I'm ashamed? Is it the guilt? Am I, you know, buying because, again, fear is driving me. I'm afraid that if I don't, own such kind of a car, how will people see me? So yeah. that fear is driving me. Just being intentional to listen to my emotions, to know that they play a huge role for me as yeah. I do that. And then I think the other thing is, I, th- I think something that you've constantly said, Troy, is, um, you know, giving, giving. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes when with money, we're always talking about receiving, yeah. receiving, receiving. And that does something to us. Like it does something to us. Then as you see, you know, all this corruption in the world because everybody's thinking of themselves. But I think when you give and you give wisely and responsibly, it does something to you. So those are my two takeaways that I'm taking from this. Yeah, awesome. I'll just kind of summarize and I'll piggyback off of what you're saying here, Ezra, that my goal for everybody, all of our listeners and our viewers, uh, is to have a fulfilled life. Now, uh, money is part of that fulfillment. However, um, we get so much more fulfillment sharing with people, right? Not just hoarding for ourselves. Uh, And so I start the blueprint journey with, hey, man, make a decision to share something with somebody. Now, you know, if you're a Christian, you might have certain religious convictions surrounding how much to share or whatever. I'm not here to judge this or that, I, I, you know, honestly, but you need to make a decision to share something mm-hmm. because you're not going to, you know, I could give you some principles to, let's say, get rich or get wealthy, but you can spend all of this time, years building wealth for yourself and you still not be fulfilled. So what I'm teaching just, it still wouldn't do anything for you because you'll be a rich, unfulfilled person. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to do that. Mm-hmm. So I want you to share on the way up. Now, maybe that's a certain percentage or I don't care if it's a dollar a week. I don't care. I'm just saying make a decision to share something um, and that's going to lead to fulfillment in in the long run. All right. And beyond that, you know, um, as you guys are saying, make a decision to live below your means. Um, I'm a, again, I'm, I'm a strong proponent of, of not borrowing anything. Um, so you, you're going to have to make a decision to just stop borrowing. You can't borrow your way out of debt. It, it just, you know, those two are just incompatible. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're just little things that, that can be done. And with some discipline leads to a lifetime of, of building wealth. Awesome listeners, there you have it, and viewers, there you have it. We are talking money talks, money talks money here, talks. and um, yeah. uh, we all know it. I don't need to, you know, tell you much. You all live in this world, and so it is. It is our hope, our prayer that you know our time here has been fulfilling. Like it's at least prick your conscience to start thinking differently. Yeah, and and if you find yourself thinking that way, Troy is here again. Troy, 
What's the website? Mm-hmm. The website yep. is uh, my name, uh, Troy, with the initial S for Solomon. My name is Troy Solomon Levy, but it's just Troy S. Levy. Dot com and you'll find the blueprint course uh, right there. You know what? I'm gonna say say this. You can, when you call or reach out, just just uh, say, "Hey, Amazing Truth Podcast." We know that you heard from these, and we can work together to see if we need to support you walk through this journey. Yeah, 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 it's not sure. it's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. a matter of just saying you go there, because I know I had fears to have these conversations, and if if you're one of those. We can do a small group. We can put a code. We can do whatever we need to yeah. do so that we start walking this journey together. So yeah, it's right. Yeah, yeah. just to add, you're saying, don't let money mm. be a hindrance for you to get this course. If exactly. you feel like you are being convicted to try this to 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 take to undertake the course, mm-hmm. let's reach out to us and we'll we'll put a put in a good word with the Troy. Troy. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll we'll make it happen. That's yeah. what you're trying to say. Yeah. Awesome. And and if at any point I haven't really thought through this, I I hate putting this out there, oh, yeah. but I would love to at some point if you uh, come back to me and say, hey, uh, can you just do a coupon code so yeah, yeah. Uh, our folk can get like ten percent off or mm-hmm. something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more than willing to 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 do that. So just reach out to Ezra, reach out to Kenan, um, and we'll we'll make that happen. Yeah. It's, it's not a problem. I want you to do well with your money for you and your family. Yep. Black, what do they call black what? Black wealth? Black Wall Street? Black Wall Street. I don't know what they call it. Anyways, because I'm black, I had to say something black. Anyways, <laughs> having said that, we're going to end this show here. It's been real. It's been nice. It's been good. Uh, be sure to catch Troy in many other areas. He used to do a, a podcast. He's coming back soon. We will let oh, you yeah. know once it's back so that you can be able to follow him there. Has some good gems, some good stuff that he teaches. And hey, you owe 67,000, 100,000. He's a walking testimony. He yeah. is there. He's no longer there. So that can be you. Uh, that has been our time. Peace out. Until next time again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazing Truth Podcast. We hope you were blessed as you listen. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. God bless you, and see you on the next one.